I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, I mean, what I can just tell everyone straight out the gate is that if I give an underwhelming performance in this podcast, it is because I was struggling to take notes during the show because you were crying so often. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like when we first got together, you crying was so beautiful. Look at this man who shows his feelings. Look at this man who shows his feelings. This is my guy. I could marry this person. I could, I want to raise a child with this emotionally in touch guy. Now when you cry, I'm like, okay, fucking reach across the couch, put a hand on him. What what do you think was a a more awkward touch? (laughs) You consoling me crying, watching Kendall crying, or Shiv not really quite knowing what to do with a hand rubbing his head? (laughs) I think they were were on a par. Basically, I kept thinking, like, the second time we watched it, I was like, he's not going to cry the second time. He had the emotional response the first time, but he won't cry the second time. Nope, you did full cry. Full body shaking. Is there any other man that you've ever encountered who is so free with their tears? Well, you know who it is. It's my dad. Because I guess in the way that Roman wants to fuck his mommy, I want to fuck my dad. (laughs) Obviously, I don't really want to, but it is... That is an an interesting detail. It is an interesting detail. (laughs) Sorry. Lighten up, glum glum. Lighten up, glum glum. We have this. We have this space mm-hmm. to all share our feelings. Let's start with some brain dumps. All right, you want to go first? Excuse me, I'm burping. I just want to say, if it was disgusting that I burped, it's because I ate previous to the show today. <laughs> so this is the. It's either going to be me chewing or me burping, and you have to pick. Um. So firstly. Who knew that Comfrey had the upper body strength? Right. So is this the, the idea is Comfrey was the next person to show up at that pool and she saw him. Do you think she got into the pool herself? I guess so. I don't think she used a hook. So you, do you think she she took off any articles of clothing? You would hope not. Right. You hope that your thought process in that moment isn't... It's just like get in the pool and get that man breathing yeah. again. And do you think... There's any way that whatever dry cleaners she had to bring her clothes to, because that shit is dry clean only. Do you think there's any chance that those dry cleaners in rural Tuscany didn't fuck her shit up? I mean, like, is there any chance that they're, they didn't, like, shrink something? <laughs> you have such a poor relationship with dry cleaners, I generally. Know I do. I know, I do. It's a very intense relationship. You have a more involved relationship with whatever your local dry cleaner is than anybody (laughs) I've ever met. And yet... And yet I actually don't have any clothes that need dry cleaning. (laughs) That's what makes it interesting. Basically, I I stain a lot of shit. I'm always knocking food over. I dribble when I eat. I'm like a little bit of a piggy. And so I constantly, or like... um, Any any dry cleaner you're ever dealing with, you, you always have a lot of thoughts on alterations. I always need to bring up my trousers. Or have them turned into jean shorts. Jeans into jean shorts. <laughs> Sleeves removed, made into vests. Wait, wait, wait. You, you have a lot of ideas oh. about <laughs> how your clothes should be changed without yes, having I any do. knowledge of, of clothes design. I always look a little shitty. You know what you want? You just don't, don't know, know how, how to, to get, get it. it. Yep. The fact that I'm not allowed to eat in this episode is making me feel so hungry and panicked. Okay. Uh, on which, on which, I would like to say that Carl's eating has finally, in the series finale, been surpassed in terms of show moments that I viscerally identify with. Because when Logan, poolside, 
shouts to Jerry. And Jerry, in this very lumbering way that I have not seen previous, and what I think it must be is that she's in a loafer. It was such a heavy-footed walk. And I am known for the heavy-footedness of my walks. And I thought, oh, that's me. There I am. (laughs) I noticed that they made a conscious decision to make the people at the wedding look as British as possible. So I think they shipped in a load of British extras. But on some of the bigger crowd scenes, the budget obviously wouldn't stretch to flying in two or three hundred people. So at that point, you see a lot more of what I believe to be local Italian background artists. And I I think you could really tell the difference between those two sets of people. Listen, there's such a thing as a British face. That's all I'll say. And there's such a thing as an American face. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but Italian is better than either. Right? There's definitely a healthier pallor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stay on that very first opening scene with my dumpity dumps dumps. And I want to say that the scene between Logan and his grandchildren, I felt showed us everything about Logan as a dad. He's reading. So we see some bit of warmth, some bit of parental love. But then there's an insult. This is too childish for you, isn't it? You know, there's something critical. Then he suggests what he wants Iverson to read. He calls to Carrie. He's like, oh, get me something with some action. It's it's Logan's will. Then work interrupts. He has to take a call. But before he does, he says, careful now. Because actually what he has been through is his son almost dying. I loved that as a starting point for, for this final episode, especially based on where we wind up at the end. Mm. More on which later. And I'll give you one on the opening scene as well. During Monopoly, the only character that I was absolutely sure which piece was theirs was Tom, and it was the dog. Oh, great. I think the dog is a great piece. What do you pick? Do you pick the dog? I like the dog. I'm not a Monopoly person. And I also love the detail that both Shiv and Connor only understand the game of Monopoly through the prism of it's okay to cheat. Cheating is part of the game. Yeah, cheating's part of the game. (laughs) Pre-Caroline's wedding. Roman and Shiv see each other. And Roman has this moment where he's like, hey, basically he's saying to Shiv, should we try one more time? Like one last ditch attempt at getting her to reconsider a prenup before marrying Onions. And I saw that as another manifestation of the fact that he is about love rather than about power. And he's sort of singular in a way, in the show. And and that we then see that mirrored again at the end of the episode. And I was wondering what you made of that moment, if anything. I didn't notice it, but something that we've heard from people who've emailed in over and over again, and we've talked about it, is that Roman is seemingly the most loathsome and his cynicism is actually because his emotions are so close to the surface for him. And I think he is l- he, he is more guided by love. Right. And not guided by power. Well, it was an astonishing episode. Just brilliant. One of the best. Oh. And I think the key to understanding it is is this idea that we've heard that Logan always wins. Did he, in fact, win? Or regardless, actually, who is he playing against? And is this the first time that everything we've seen Logan do so far in succession... Okay, he might be deluded about this, and, and we see a lot of cruelty in the process, but he has believed that he is doing it for his family. He doesn't know about this whole side of himself that can't relinquish power. He believes he is doing it for his family. Mm -hmm. Is this the first time we see him seeing his kids as the opponent that he's playing against, the the people he's trying to win against? Yes, and I thought when he says at the end, I win, I thought the first episode, one of the first moments when they're all in that airport, and he calls over Roman and Shiv and he says, were, were you in on this? The idea of his children uniting against him is sort of actually the the one area in which he is arguably the most vulnerable. And on that count, he lost. That's why we see him erupt in a rage, even though he's in control. Like normally if Logan's in control, we don't sort of see the rage. Yes. And I, at one point I was like, why is he raging if he's winning? And it's because he's actually lost. 
Well, that's what we're going to dig into in this episode. And we should mention that our guest was so thrilled to have him. So we have David Baddiel. My introduction to David Baddiel's work was a few years ago. We went to see a West End production of his show. I didn't know if I should call it a stand-up hour, if it's a solo show. It was sort of a hybrid of those two. So much funnier than a solo show, but so much more sort of heart than a regular stand-up hour called My Family. And then you told me to read Jews Don't Count. And it was the single best book that I read this year. And he's just such a brain. He's so funny. He's so even-handed in his opinions and so considered. It's great to have somebody who loves succession as much as he does and with that kind of brain to unpick and unpack it for us. And enjoy this while it lasts because it's possibly going to be a long time before you get to hear Sarah giving out the email address again. It could be, what, a year, 18 months? We just don't know, I think it's going to be longer than a year. I think it's going to be longer than a year. But let's not uh, let's not talk about Fairly Wells now. The night is a starry dome. What's that from? Carrie by Joni Mitchell. I've heard she's very good. <laughs> she's very good. Um, we we'd love to hear from you for the last sprinkles, which will come out on Friday. Yes. The email address is fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. All right, here's what we're going to set out to do. We're going to try and answer four questions as thoroughly as we can. Mm-hmm. The first question is, what's the deal with the deal? What is the deal with the deal? Which will encompass that Logan and Matson scene, what might have changed in Logan, what this means for the future of Waystar Royco and the family. Then we're going to move on to the question... Do you want to come with me, Sporos? Tommy McTom, Tom Sporos. It's very hard to say Sporos and Nero. Mm. Oy, that's hard. What, what has Tom done and why? Leave it there. We're yeah. not there yet. Leave it. Leave it. Then mm. we're going to think about series four, season four. Will there be births, deaths and marriages? A couple of those things are definitely on the cards. Mm-hmm. And then finally... Is this the dawn of a new era of unity, happiness and harmony for the Roy siblings? Do you think you'll be able to talk about them without crying again, you fucking pussy? (laughs) (laughs) All right, then, this this deal. What is the deal with the deal? Do you think there's any chance that Jesse Armstrong will decide that they need someone to play an American stand-up comedian? If If they do need to cast an American comedian, they've probably got options. Okay. But I got charm and I got heart. So we see Logan and Roman do that dash to Matson's house. My take on it was that Roman only got to join as a way of punishing Shiv. I thought that was the first thing that went through Logan's head, perhaps quickly followed by the sensible idea that Roman already has a connection with this guy and that yes. could be useful. But I think that you I think you're right that was the the first thing. Then we have that lovely father-son moment where <laughs> Logan's asking Roman about his sexual peccadilloes. In somewhat recent history, like in the last 15 years, I think this was before we knew each other though because I was at a Thanksgiving dinner which I mostly missed since moving here. And Someone said something about Viagra. And then my dad was like, you know, these commercials where they say, if the erection persists, call your doctor. And I'm thinking, if the erection persists, you're going to call your girlfriend. It was it was something like that. And I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Do you dad. think in his head he was delivering his monologue on his late night talk Yes, show? I, I genuinely think he'd had a bit to drink. <laughs> And it, he wasn't—he wasn't addressing his child. It was a a conversation he was having with a man his own age. But I just remember thinking, like, "Fuck, I can fucking hear you," and I'm thirty or something like that. It's better than um, this is uncomfortable. In the eighties, I think my my dad, like many people, has uh, society's moved on. People's attitudes towards women have moved on. But I remember being a teenager and occasionally. We would pass a um, a chesty lady. A chesty lady? Yeah. Okay. And my dad would say, But you don't get many of them to the pound. Bet you don't get many of them to the pound. As oh, if you were Jesus buying fruit and vegetables. <laughs> what would the response in the car be? I think it would be silence. How quickly do you think Logan decided Matson wasn't a fuckhead? Instantly. Yeah. And Madsen knew exactly how to communicate with Logan. 
was Matson able to play Logan, or was there just an honesty of communication that did the trick with him? Yeah, I thought, because I yeah. also think with Logan, in those types of interactions, we see him either flicking the charm switch, which isn't authentic, or we see him in full fucking beast mode, intimidating and this people. Was this and there's just like new... this honesty. There's this honesty yes, to I him. I thought we saw this whole new side to him today, and it was him talking to someone on his level who he doesn't hate. And I I thought it wasn't trying to manipulate. It was just this very candid and non-condescending conversation. Because they kind of got straight into it. There was like this hint of bullshit where he said, I'm excited about the future. And Matson called him out on it. And, and then, then straight he, away he says, it's a that's thing the to thing say. you say. And, and then I, you know, th- this moment of Roman sort of being shoved out. There is a very distinct look that Madsen gives to Logan to basically say to him, are you going to ask Roman to leave now? Yeah, but Roman just has this thing. We've seen it time and time again. His ability to communicate comfortably when his dad is around is non-existent. He goes yeah. from being the greatest people person. But not this. This is. I just want to say this because that's how I've thought, oh, he's the greatest, the greatest. And then, God, you watch... Madsen and Logan together in that scene, and you go, "That's the greatest." Mm. We've been wa- we we've been watching a B plus that felt like an A. Is there anyone that you feel you can't be yourself around? Like- yes, all the time. Two people just sort of emerged to me where I'm like, "Oh, I always, why am I? I'm always such like a knob when they're around." It's someone who's smarter than I am who doesn't suffer fools, and someone who is so far beneath me who I have to act like is above me, and both of those dynamics make me a fucking moron (laughs) um just this little thought i had there's this shot is that scene is coming to a close so roman leaves we're alone with madsen and logan madsen takes a call so there's sort of this moment that logan gets privately and he turns to the camera and we get this close-up of his face and it harkens back to the last moment of the first episode of this series where he sort of goes out from that hotel in the Balkans and it just stood there for a second. And it's like the only moments that we get sort of alone as viewers with Logan. And it's wonderful. What is Logan thinking? It seems to me that it could be one of three things. Number one, Matson's appraisal of the landscape and how the new world of tech companies like his is the future. And an old media organisation can't ever be that thing because it's an old organisation. Logan hears that, and then the key to that being his point to bow out is Matson saying, this isn't about making you small, that he thinks mm. he can go out in a way that has the right optics, to use the modern parlance. Yes, so that's, that, yes. that, that's, that's number one. Is it number two, Logan has just had it at this point with his kids and the whole thing, and he's thinking, fuck it. Maybe the reasons we don't know about. Maybe there's something to do with his relationship with Kerry or something that might have gotten to that point. Or is it number three, that Logan still thinks he's in the fight and that he can derail this and still swallow Gojo, but he's just got to stay in the game to win it? Logan feels truly seen by Madsen. And ultimately... That's all he needs. That's all any of us need. It's all any of us need. I think he doesn't feel seen by his children. And ultimately, this Madsen sees him for what he is. Do you think this is Logan Cash and his chips then? Do you think this is the, this is truly the sale of Waystar Royco? Yes. Do you? Again, just put out here that our read on the end of season two was 100% off. If this is the end of that company, what is the question of succession? Because what? Other than money, which in a way is immaterial to these people, other than money, what are they inheriting? Mm. So I think there might be a significance in right at the end after Logan has given it both barrels to them Mm -hmm. and he walks out of that room and somebody comes up to him, presumably some kind of lawyer and says, Mr. Roy, I just need you to sign this. There's this this." moment that seems seemingly insignificant on first watch because the other thing that happened is we see Tom arrive, which feels huge. 
So then you don't quite notice that there's this very quick little exchange between someone and Logan. And so Logan's, that's what you're so, talking so somebody about. asking for Logan's signature on a piece of paper and he says he'll do it later. Is that the thing that is going to buy some time? And if so, how can it change it? Because it seems like Logan was gifted this victory through Tom. The thing that could have blocked him was this supermajority, mm-hmm. and he was able to deal with that. What What are the other things that could block it? Is it something to do with Ewan, perhaps? Interesting. If that guy wanting a signature and not getting it buys time, uh-huh. what can that time be used for to block the sale of a company? I don't know. When he says, when Logan says to his children, this is a chance for you kids to get an education, is that him going... You'll sort of be out on your own now, but it's going to be good for you. Yeah, I think I think it's a variation on go make your own pile of billions. I mean, it's kind of a fair point. But you're, if you're a billionaire's kid, you're never making your own pile of billions. Firstly, I don't think anybody is making their own billion or, or almost nobody because it's usually off the backs of other people. But you can't do it if that's your starting line. Mm. You just can't. Right. E- even if Logan emptied their bank accounts, the connections that right, they have right, 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 are right, so right. different to anybody else's starting line. It's impossible to be Logan Roy and have kids who are in any way self-made in, in the way that you are. Impossible. Can't be done. On to our next question, the Tom question, which is, do you want to come with me, Sporus? I guess like, a good starting point on this is, would Tom have done what he did without Shiv's passive-aggressive wedding speech. Would he have done it without the passive-aggressive wedding speech or the dirty talk that involved you don't love me? (laughs) It's that plus every other single... That she didn't really care that he wasn't going to prison. That she doesn't really want to have his baby. That she wants a threesome. It's back to their wedding. It's every moment we've seen so far makes him go, okay. And then my sort of follow-up question to that is, where does he think he's going? Because he is and isn't very power-hungry. His love is true for her. And, like, he does want a good marriage. So what his end game is is very interesting to me, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Well, one thing we know is that it has Greg in it, though. It has Greg Sprinkles. What did you make of Tom's, I would say, mild disgust at the idea that Greg could be cheating on Comfrey or have his eye on... I fucking hated it. I fucking hate a guy who is already punching above his weight. I mean, although Comfrey is and isn't way out of his league. So she's like this knockout, but also her job is fucking stupid. But the point is, is that it's it's this guy who's like nobody who is suddenly trying to date two women at the same time. And it, it does feel greedy and repulsive to me, I think is what I want to say. I thought you'd have seen a little bit of yourself in Greg. No. When they're in the church at the wedding... And the contester on one side of him says how much she likes weddings. Oh, And Greg yes. agrees with her. And then immediately after, Comfrey says this is, you know, whatever she says. And he says, yeah, I want to die. Like, that, that's very much, I think you or I, we're so needy for the other person's approval that we'll just we'll mirror, like play, we'll mirror yeah. their opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is true. But I, not, not like, like, it's not like I've been dating two dudes at the same time no. trying to court both. And I think our end game is only approval. We're not using it to climb a greasy pole. It's yeah. basically about our own lack of self-esteem, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, then we're great then. Yeah, we're perfect. We should people. have more self-esteem. We really should. And what is, you know, when Tom says to Greg, do you want to do a deal with the devil, basically? This is the big question, I think. Is this coming from the place that his conversation in the diner car park in Virginia with Kendall came from, which is you always get fucked and Logan never gets fucked? Mm-hmm. Is it about backing the winning horse? Mm-hmm. Or is it about fucking this family that he has grown to despise? That feels very present when he's talking to Greg about how no one in that family has ever cared for him or or looked after him. That's interesting. Or is it that he thinks that this deal isn't what it seems, that there will still be a wake star Royco off the back of it, and when the dust settles on whatever that is, he's standing alongside the victor? I don't have an opinion. Do you? This is this is what made me think that maybe Logan isn't cashing his chips. Go on. For Tom to say to Greg, do you, do you want to come with me and he, to the bottom of the top? Without Logan at the top, that's a, that's a hollow offer. Mm-hmm. What can Logan promise him after a company has been sold, if it really is being sold? Right. Why does Tom 
show up at this location where where Logan is running all his business. What we, what we last saw of Tom is him on the phone with Shiv, with her updating him. And she has said, when we give you the nod, mm-hmm. you can start reporting on the TV on ATN that Logan right. Roy has stepped back for medical reasons. Right. So he is waiting. So why does he why need to be in the room? Why the bomb explosion is sort, of, is sort of my question. And of course, then what we get to see is we get to see Shiv see this sort of literal pat on the back from Logan to Tom. We're supposed to, to then think, oh, fuck, Shiv's going to know that she's been betrayed. Tom is how Logan got that info. He has, right? Is that even a question? I'm sure it is. I think we as viewers got there before the pat on the shoulder. I can be a little slow with stuff. So just holding my hands up, I I needed a second. But then why does Tom need the kind of oath of allegiance from Greg before he presses the big red button? I don't know. I just don't know. So to answer your question, I think there's no way Shiv either doesn't know or doesn't suspect yes, extremely and, and strongly that, that it was Tom. Tom. And then where is Tom's fear about being found out by Shiv? If Shiv and Roman and Ken are each on the phone, the people who are going to get that information to Logan so Logan can fuck them, it's very small. It's like Ken's lawyers. Connor. Connor. Connor is another one. It could reasonably be. Yeah, it could reasonably have been Connor give that information to his dad. I think we need to get off the Tom topic. Let's move on to the next topic, which is, were we given any birth, deaths or marriages announcements for series four? And I felt at the end, we saw Shiv touch a baby bump. What it wasn't was a classic touching of the belly. Right now I'm touching my, right now I'm touching my lower abdomen. She was going sort of here. I think it's appendicitis. I interpret it as it like someone who's almost like on the verge of a panic attack. Like, ow, I'm feeling physical pain because of the levels of betrayal. Like I basically just found out for sure that my mom and my husband are willing to shit all over me. And I'm like visibly starting to collapse. But then you said that thing and I thought, fuck it. Yeah, it would make a whole lot of sense if now suddenly she was pregnant. I thought it was a strange choice of last shot if that wasn't at least meant to be well, I think ambiguous. You're right. I think you're right. I can't remember if this was at the live show yesterday or if it was one of the emails on Sprinkles, but somebody said they'd seen Shiv just refuse a glass of champagne yes. in the last episode. And then I rewound to the passive-aggressive um, wedding speech at her mum's wedding to see if it was water or wine in the glass. And it you was, could not you tell. Cu- you couldn't tell. And then there was that bit earlier in the episode, that delightful bit where they had a little fertility-slash-pregnancy conversation with Roman. Squeeze your little Tommy tits for man milk. <laughs> Squeeze your little Tommy tits for man milk. Ooh. We might see Shiv's pregnancy, and we might see fucking Carrie's. Yes. And do you I, think that was real or do you think it was Connor being crazy? It, I think it might be real. I think that what else are we supposed to be making of that that like smoothie shot? But we also know from the last episode that Logan's dietary requirements are being uh, very carefully catered to for health reasons yes, at the moment. So point. it could that's just be that. Point. It isn't necessarily his, uh, his baby batter and making it more uh, adhesive and potent gloop. Oof. I can't remember. Did you make me eat walnuts in a, an attempt to improve my sperm motility? No, I think we knew that it was... Nothing was going to help. Well, I remember you, because I used to eat a lot of meat substitutes, you know, vegetarian meat substitutes. And um, I remember you cutting those from my diet. You took some vitamins. Yeah. And I remember thinking, if you were trying to get somebody whose sperm was 40% of the way there, up to 60, maybe this this stuff might make a difference. But I felt that my uh, my lazy boys, this this wasn't going to do the job. You have. So much sperm, but they don't want to swim, which is funny. It's funny how we ascribe my sperm, my characteristics. Yeah. Like like they are little manifestations of me. Which, of course, they're not. We know some real machismo dudes who had sperm problems. The issue doesn't discriminate. It's a funny thing, though, because I do look at myself and think, you are the guy that evolution would be trying to weed out. Yeah, I get Because you're like, you can't like do push-ups or whatever. Yeah, just yeah. You know, fitness of the herd. And um, do you think we need to buy hats ready for the big wedding of the next series, Connor and Willa? I thought that fuck it, fuck it forever 
is actually like the healthiest thing we've seen from them. I think that if most people went into a wedding going, fuck it, maybe they might have a healthier relationship. What Willa wants out of life is very is getting real interesting, because we see her cry at the start of the wedding. Yes, and yeah. you know, you know, you know all the stuff that that's supposed to imply. And I really liked in the proposal. There was just a misdirection from Connor uh, in the last episode where he said, "This is you know, a some, this is a difficult to conversation have, yeah. to have," and and that was mirrored with her acceptance in "You're a nice man." You're waiting for the but. But she's not going to say yes when she says that. That's real. Uh-huh. And then in the moment she sees his and face. And she goes, yep, got got it. I think he says, got it. And then he starts listing and what's, then, yeah. And then she's, and, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a fuck it out of pity. So whining can work then. Yeah. This is... Don't take too much from that. But... <laughs> All right, should we get on to the sibs? Yes. And the, the question once again is along the lines of, is this the dawn of a new era of harmony and unity for the Roy siblings? Okay, I want to begin with a list of things that made you cry. Okay. So first of all, when we see Kendall for the first time in this episode, when he sort of, he walks towards us and he's not walking quite right, you cried. I'm almost, I'm almost cry going now because yeah. <laughs> of how vulnerable he is. Yeah, I feel like I've, I feel that's a walk that I've done a, a number I've of times ne- in my life. Okay, well, I've, I've known you almost eleven years and never seen you walk like that. Mm-hmm. So Jeff is now um, teary eyed, thinking about it. He cried when he first appeared. When we're then in that scene near where they have the trash cans for the after he spots the guys, the the waiters coming out and putting the rubbish out. Yeah, yeah. You cry when he says he's not feeling very connected to his children or his endeavors. You cried when he says, "I killed a kid. It's so fucking lonely." Your body was racked with sobs, convulsing. But but that thing where you're like a person's body. It's not. I'm not watching someone delicately swipe at their eye. I'm now aware of a body shaking next to me. And let me just say, I am a crier. It's not like oh, Sarah cries once every five years. I cry all the time. But 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 this is what Dean's going to talk to his therapist about when he's older. Your emotions are sometimes so big that mine don't come up. That is actually not what was going on in this instance. It just, it didn't move me to tears. I thought it was exceptional. Maybe if Jesse does listen to this, this will make him like you more than me. Like if I was Jesse Armstrong, I would feel more warmth to the person who was moved to tears than the one who was like still sat there thinking about how good the acting was. But but would that be negated by the fact that it's somebody who can get to a similar state from a McDonald's advert? No. Who's also a vegetarian. That's only going to happen for someone who would also get there from a McDonald's advert. And those McDonald's adverts are really good. Then you cried. And then every time it really, really, really for you what it is, is it's any kindness from Roman to Kendall. You can't fucking manage it or vice versa. But of course, in this scene, it was Roman's kindness to his brother. It's true. And then... When he said, can I be with you guys? Then it was all over for you. Then we almost had to pause it. When she's like, where should we take him? And he's like, well, can I just, can I be with you guys? That's all yep. he has. Yep. And it's it's still very close to the surface because I am oh, nearly Jesus going again Christ. just listening to you describe it without any of the acting or direction or things that go into a TV um, program. It's the thing where I say I didn't try too hard and less is more with acting a lot of the time. I felt that it was a Ken cringe free episode. No, so, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Because of when he says, I've got new lawyers. And I'm, I'm talking cringy. to Vanity Fair. Oh, yeah, that was cringy. <laughs> okay, you're right. Well, I guess fewer than usual. But, you know, it's that thing where it's like, all we ever want is to see someone who can be honest with themselves. And so to finally get to see Kendall be able to be honest with himself in a few different ways. <sighs> it felt like you were sort of able to breathe. And and how how do you feel about the information being out there. It, it made me think about what Kendall did at the end of season one differently because I think, you know, the way Roman framed it to some extent had occurred to me. But the other aspect of it, which they don't know the detail of, is just how much Logan, in this cold, calculated way, was able to turn it to his advantage. It was actually making it seem like Kendall was a worse person mm-hmm. than he was. Yeah. And that's not to, to say what Kendall did was, was right and how it's been handled was right. But Roman's reading of it 
has a lot more room for nuance and kindness and understanding this behavior of this addict who tried in his own flawed way rather than Logan thinking, okay, well, if I mop this up and tell him he's a piece of shit, then I've got him on a tight leash for as long as I need it. If it and it's cruel. It's it's cru- it's it's callous to be able to get that bird's eye view of that situation and how it could benefit you in the moment, like Logan did. Oh, what I noticed as well, and back to this idea of Logan winning, is that Kendall does get at the end of season three what he was pining for in episode two of season three when all the siblings are over at Rava's apartment and it's like, come on, guys, it's us. Let's do this. And he does get that, not in quite the way he wants it, but he gets that band together by the end of the season. And when you watch Roman ease some of Kendall's pain Mm -hmm. by making him laugh and by making deeply inappropriate jokes, Mm -hmm. what was your reaction to that? Mm -hmm. Because that's something that I um, feel like a lot of people I know would handle big moments like that. And you, I think of you as somebody who just doesn't like that at all. When my back gets up, it's not a joke. You need some time before it's a joke. Can you remember the breaking point of it where it's, I don't think it's ever happened since, me making a joke when you've been feeling emotional? Well, no, no, no. I remember the time that I don't think, I think it's too dark for us to use. I have a very specific instance in my mind and it isn't that dark. That's fine. But then the example that you have will be funny and prove your point. And the example that I have, which is so dark we can't use it, would prove my point. Tell your one and then I will tell without the specifics my one. I think the day I thought, oh, I'm never making another joke to try and ease attention when she's she's upset ever again, you were sobbing at Michelle Obama's autobiography and I made some quip and you really went at me for it. Oh, well, then that right. That's ridiculous. But one time you made a joke to a friend of ours that was so, I thought, inappropriate and ill-judged. She didn't find it funny that I got this thing in my head where I was like, Jeff says the wrong thing at the wrong time and was still sort of holding on to the baggage of that three years later when the Michelle Obama thing happened. So are you willing to concede that we're both right here? Yeah. Don't we communicate well? Beautifully. This moment of, of Roman especially, but to some extent shiving, yes, shiv so. coming through for Kendall, how much were you able to enjoy that versus the creeping fear that this will be weaponized. Oh, what I thought you were going to ask, because it did give me anxiety, was all the sun exposure. <laughs> so I, I really was just mostly being very present in the scene. So I you're was... not watching it and thinking, we've seen closeness, not not this level of closeness, but we've seen closeness between them before. But the nature of the show is that there are always going to be these rifts. How long before, best case scenario, it becomes a glib insult that they throw at him. And worst case scenario, one of them mentions it to somebody else or blurts it out. No, I am not holding that concern in my heart. I believe, and I just might have my rose-tinted glasses on, but I believe that it was only a smart choice for him to share everything that he shared with his siblings. How quickly did you realise that wherever they're going, it's off the edge of a cliff? Like, so I wasn't sat there going like, yay, here they come. It wasn't, I know something, like I understand it won't be that simple, but neither was I like, oh fuck, what's coming next? I was just being very present in my enjoyment of Kendall's lack of loneliness. That's what I want to say. And Shiv has no qualm. She has no fear about going and confronting Logan. Kendall, I don't think wants to, but at the moment they arrive, they hand me the shotgun. He He's willing to do it. For Roman, it's, it's the most difficult thing he's ever done. Yeah. And what we wanted was we wanted Roman, when Logan's like, get Kenny out of here, get that fucker out of here. You know, there's all these pauses and Roman ultimately won't do it. Roman can't do the thing of going like, no, dad, that's not happening. Ken has to be the one to pop in to go, I'll be staying for this. And how much is that whole showdown with Logan? Bearing in mind that before they even get into the room, he's he's sorted it out with Caroline because he's been alerted probably by Tom. How much is it just a test of Roman? Because Shiv he's already furious with. Kendall's dead to him. He just gets to watch how Roman will behave because he already knows the outcome. But this is the thing. This is why he doesn't win. The thing he didn't want was his children united against him. That is Logan's rage is he has won, but not as fully as he thought he did. But those children don't feel like they've won at this point. But I think 
Ken is still cl- like Roman and Shiv are sort of plummeting, but I, I feel like Ken is still better off. Yeah, yeah, than yeah. He was right. in almost any other episode we've seen him in, so he's sort of doing relatively okay. But as you say, Shiv's plummeting, and we we've talked about the moment with Tom, and then Roman looks to Jerry. Yeah, that's hard. Really hard because that stuff that we've it all meant nothing. Speculated about Jerry about uh, no. uh, yeah what what a player she is. How it's all about her own self interest. She just comes out and says it. I sort of hated her. I loved to hate her, but that was the most animosity I've ever felt towards Jerry. Is it all over for Jerry and Roman shippers? Yeah, I think it might be. Or the thing could be. I mean. Oh, this could almost make me cry, but I won't. Don't worry. Is that like actually how horrible she is capable of being to him is only going to make him harder. Uh, And is there anything fucked up about the fact that we are seeing what might be a harassed woman show show strength in rejection of her harasser? I don't think that's what we're seeing. I don't think that's what... Jesse, first name, basis. I don't think that's what Jesse wants us to take from that. I don't think it's what we're seeing. I think the power dynamics are too different for that to be true. I do think part of what we all love about this show is this sort of reminder that money doesn't solve all your problems. I feel like it solved 95% of mine. Yeah, totally. But, but, you know, I would rather be married to you than Shiv. You'd rather be with Shiv than with me. You feel like you are with Shiv, but minus the money. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let us know what you think. Friday Sprinkles. We are going to do another Friday Sprinkles. Uh, The email address? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And coming up next, we and you get the privilege of hearing David Bedeal's thoughts on Succession. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. David Badil, hello. Uh, hello, how are you doing, Jeff? We um we we saw your stage show, My Family, yeah. a few years ago, which is is about your parents' strange marriage, which we, yeah. we won't get too derailed by here. But a uh, thing that struck me is, even though that is an extreme story, there's this universality to it, and and that was part of what made it so brilliant. You everybody sees their own family yeah. in this strange family. And and is that what is going on with succession? Are we all seeing something of our families and our sibling dynamics in it? Well, my family, just very quickly, for the, anyone who didn't see it, 
was a story about how my mum had an affair with a golfing memorabilia salesman and then turned our life over to golfing memorabilia uh, and how my dad managed somehow still not to notice that she was having an affair despite the fact there were statues of Lee Trevino all over the house and she was clearly doing this for this bloke who liked golfing memorabilia. That sort of sums it up. Um, And you would think, well, that's a bit specific. That's not going to relate to everyone. But it does because, of course, every family has strangeness. And I did get lots of people come up to me and say, Blimey, that really reminded me of my family, even though clearly no one's had that particular map. Uh, With succession, I think, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things is to implant your ordinary family relationships with sort of, you know, all the love and hate that might go on there into this very, very luxurious and powerful lifestyle. But you're still watching it feeling like, yeah, yeah, I know this family. So in a way... That idea of like, oh, I kind of relate to this lifestyle. Of course you don't. You're not getting anywhere near it. I mean, one of the things I do think about Succession is uh, with my son, we watched all of Peep Show recently. Uh, and Peep Show is, I mean, it's an incredible work of art, Peep Show. It's really amazing. I actually wrote to Jesse Armstrong, who I know, uh, recently and said, it's so brilliant, Peep Show. And he said to me, oh, isn't it just a bit of a juvenile piece of work? Uh, and I said, no, no, it really, really stands up. And I think it's really worth thinking about how he went on. I know he wrote it with Sam Bain, but how he went on to, to write Succession, because what is Peep Show? I mean, I, I said this recently on a programme on the BBC World News. I worry that the dark heart of humanity portrayed brilliantly, I think, in Peep Show, because both those characters are extremely venal and shallow and lying and terrible to each other, but you sort of love them and you love their relationship. That's brilliantly done in, in Peep Show, and I think he takes that in Succession and does it on a on a wider scale and a more dramatic scale. But I would still say with immense amounts of comedy. I read around Succession. I do read blogs about Succession. I do read recaps of Succession. Um, and uh, one of those said it should be seen as a sitcom. And I sometimes think it, it kind of should. For all its classical style music and wide shots and drone shots and drama, I mainly watch it for the jokes, which are really funny week in, week out. And the jokes are very dark. That that's that's kind of interesting in that we see something as inherently funny as somebody accidentally sending their dad a dick pic. Yeah, that is really funny. It is. It's just a funny idea. But then seconds later, Logan is berating Roman. If you think about the mechanics of it as a writer, what is the trick that they're deploying to have those two things sit alongside each other in rapid succession, no pun intended, and for it to land. Part of it is, I would say, Jesse Armstrong, obviously there's many other writers on it, but but I think it comes from Jesse Armstrong's particular genius, is interested in pushing comedy to the point where it gets uncomfortable. I mean, you can see that in Peep Show starting, but in succession, that's what's happening. It is funny. It's a comic idea that someone sending dick pics to a woman who is much older than him who works for the company, but he accidentally sends it to his dad, who runs the company. Well, clearly, that's a comic idea. But then when the dad calls him out on it, it gets uncomfortable. So I think that's the mechanic you're talking about. I saw on Twitter that you're now watching the show with subtitles. So why is that? Well, there's two reasons, I think. One is I'm old. <laughs> and uh, so I sometimes think, what? Because succession is very fast. Mm. Right. And it's very, very densely written. I mean, you know, there's certain things about succession that we should, as fans, I think we're allowed to say. Right. And one of them is no one talks like this. Right. All the characters basically talk in the same way. It unbelievably dense, clever allusions, you know, reference points. I wrote about this the other day. Um, It was when Kendall went to that TV show, to that late night TV show that he eventually didn't guest on. Uh, But he he arrived with the um, idea that I'm going to own this. I'm going to go on this and I'm going to let them rip the piss out of me and that's going to be cool, right? And there's a bit where he goes up to the writers who absolutely, I know Jesse Armstrong is thinking, this is what it's like being a junior writer on a show just and some dick comes up to you uh, and says, yeah, yeah, I love what you guys do. Do Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes up to them. They're sort of sitting around in a corridor, right? And he says, hey, yeah, you guys, it's me. Come on, do it to me. And then he says... I want you to rickles the fuck out of Eagles. <laughs> now, I'm, now that, that could be a fucking different language as far as most people are concerned. Because I I heard that and I thought, right, I'm going to have to stop it because I think if I'm going to deconstruct that, that means be like Don Rickles, 
the American comedian who most British people won't know, who uh, was from the 50s and used to do amazing roasts of people, right? Out of Oedipusy, which you have to know that that is what that show was calling him and that it was calling him that because he was a not very good taker apart of his dad in the sense that Oedipus Rex fucked his mum. And also you have to know Octopussy as a general idea for that to work. How much is going on in six words there? <laughs> Rickles the fuck out of Oedipusy. It's, too, it's far too dense for sort of normal language. So that's really why I watch it, because I just think I'm going to miss stuff otherwise. The other reason is, I'm going to name drop here. I was with Zadie Smith the other day. Uh, and it's a name drop, but she's a friend of mine. Because oh. she was invited to Kendall's party. Yes, yes. Right? of course she was. Right? That's why I bring it up. Zadie right? Smith and Chuck D and Lucas Madsen. They're, they're no-shows, yeah. Yes. yeah. I was I was with her and I said, oh God, you know, you're, she's a very cool woman anyway. But I said, the coolest thing has ever happened, which is, you know, you were mentioned on Succession, you were invited to Kendall's party and you were a no-show. And her husband <laughs> who was there said, you would definitely have gone. Um, so Zadie would have gone to the party. But anyway, we were talking about succession and and we were saying one of the things about it, and this is to do with the subtitles as well, is that large sections of it are essentially the writers who are all, you know, I know these people. I know they don't know anything about corporate business. They know nothing about it. And so essentially there's large sections of it which are just, they could be just business, 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 business. Yeah, deal, 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 deal. Yeah, yeah, stock, 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 stocks, right? But they, they make it sound like really, really like proper. But they have no idea, those writers, <laughs> what is actually said in boardrooms. And it's probably nothing like that. So that's the other reason I use subtitles, to try and get through those. Do you not feel like on nine out of ten shows, if a writer tried to get that past the gatekeeper, whoever that is, be it a producer or the person at the channel who is responsible for looking at the scripts, it, it would get knocked back? Yeah, I, I'm sure. I, I guess, I don't know the the way it was created, but... It's a huge hit. I mean, it's, I don't know how a huge hit is in ratings, but that kind of doesn't matter. It's a huge hit in terms of cultural awareness and noise and, you know, all the rest of it. And once a show is a huge hit, the writer can do what they like. Mm. And now, obviously, it started like this, so that was just them trusting Jesse Armstrong. And he had some big people, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, behind him. And I guess they just said, we trust these people. I think it's got... I think the language has got more difficult. I, I think. I can't remember. I haven't been back to the first episodes. But I, I could feel that it was Jesse Armstrong because he's brilliant at insult. You know, Jesse from Peep Show, uh, you know, he was a, a writer on The Thick of It, a writer on Veep. If you watch those shows, really, I mean, this is to boil them down unfairly, but a lot of them is just unbelievably clever insults <laughs> thrown backwards and forwards across an ensemble, right? Uh, and so I could hear that, but I think the overall language has got denser it's like it's a team of writers and i wonder if they're out trying to outdo each other in what they get through i mean to mention one thing i wrote i, I did write to jesse as well after the first episode and congratulate of this series and congratulate on him on it in general um but something you may not re- remember is there's a bit in the first episode where i think kendall is starting to say i want writers he, he wants writers oh, Jack, guys yeah that's what I wanted to say, Sarah. Oh, David, like, I, that's that is, humiliating. That, that I is what I congr- that, that is specifically what I wrote to Jesse Armstrong about and said, well done on the first episode, particularly for the Bojack reference. Because I love Bojack Horseman. For anyone who doesn't know, Bojack Horseman is an animation that uh, my son, who's 17, said to me, you've got to watch this. And Bojack Horseman is this incredible animation about a horse who used to be a sitcom star in the 90s. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, it's so incredible. Uh, anyway... Just the throwaway nature of that reference point, him saying, you know, get me the Bojack guys. I just love that so, so much. But I think I think from Succession's point of view, they don't care that loads of people won't know what Isn't that, that is. that the idea you've said before, Jeff, you've heard like oh, the yeah. writer of Frasier talking about you, you so, sprinkle in for the 1% who will get it. Yeah, they call them yeah. something like 10% jokes, things like that, like only 10% of the audience will get, but then that 10% of the audience will think, this is the show for me. This is this is Well, well in a very different show, Jeff, that was what Fantasy Football Right. Was. Oh. When we did Fantasy Football League, me and Frank said from the word go, we are not explaining a single football reference Brilliant. on this show. 
I notice in myself, which is why I'm asking, that I, yeah. I am quite judgmental when people say, there's just no one for me in the show to like. Why would I want to watch these terrible people? And I was wondering, number one, if you have ever felt any of that, like back in season one, and or if you hear someone say that to you, do you go, ah, different strokes, different folks? Or are you like, no. you judge them poorly because yeah. they don't enjoy Well, I judge succession. anyone poorly. I judge anyone poorly who... Uh, judges art on the basis of niceness. I mean, this right. comes back to what I'm saying about Peep Show. Uh, you know, it, it's an incredibly stupid uh, idea that you like a show because you like the characters in terms of niceness. That isn't the point. A character doesn't have to be nice. A character needs to be engaging. In Succession, when Kendall was saying to Logan Roy, you're evil, I felt we were meant to feel that was true. About so Logan. you felt we were supposed to we were supposed to sort of agree with Kendall that yes Logan is yeah. evil. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I, I think we were meant to feel that because he didn't come up with. I mean, apart from saying I know how the world works, his arguments against himself being evil were not very good. And I, I guess what I feel is because I think there is uh, a, a sort of moral impetus to succession uh, that sometimes it, it, it shows itself in the villainy the sort of unadulterated villainy of Logan Roy. I don't quite believe in the idea of someone who's evil and knows that they're evil and just is evil. I think that's a bit pantomime. So, so as a character, I would, what I love about Succession is you've got characters like Kendall, who is deeply flawed and does bad things and is horrible, like he was horrible to Greg at the party, but at the same time you feel for him because his party's gone so shit and he wanted it to be so good. That's complexity. I have a theory. Go on, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started to wonder if, in terms of what we were talking about, which is who's the good character, who really is the good character, who's going to do something actively heroic. And I wonder if it's Tom. I wonder if the constant um, eating away at Tom's self-esteem and the very clever, I thought, idea that he had a moment of immense relief about not going to prison and then suddenly was not happy and realised, no, but the thing is I'm sort of in prison in my marriage and in my constant subservience to this family. I wonder if he's going to decide I'm going to come clean about everything. Even though they've now out of the DOJ's immediate clutches, I'm going to go to them with all the info. I'm going to go down because a good act requires a proper sacrifice and I'm going to take Waystar with me. Particularly because Tom has emerged gradually, gradually, gradually as such an extraordinary character, I think. All right, David, we're going to usher you in. We're ushering you into the Waystar Royco boardroom. Okay, Okay. you're coming in. You're a shareholder. You get to cast your vote for who you think should take over. Who gets it, according to David Baddiel? I mean, I mean, I've said it. I've done it. It's it's a bit dull. This I've just done a long thing saying essentially how much I love him and I think how he might be in the end the good guy. But I would give it to Tom. I mean, I know Tom's not a member of the family, so I don't know if that's allowed. Anyone is allowed within the succession universe. You you couldn't take it, for example. Right. Right. Well, no. I don't really want it, even though it's a lot of money. So, yes, I would like Tom, and I'm going to try and say his name, by the way, which I find quite difficult to say. Is it Wamsgans? I think it's Wamsgans. <laughs> Wamsgans. Yeah, it's such a weird name. David, we should mention that if um, if, if people uh, will be mourning at this point the uh, the loss of succession until the next series, there is something for them to watch on the TV this week. My documentary, which I would like people to watch, called David Baddiel, Social Media, Anger and Us, which is about the madness and craziness of social media, the way that uh, a very, very high level of rage and and crossness in society is sort of affecting all of us and what that means uh that's what it's about so it's basically a good tweet bad tweet as a documentary yeah sort of i did love all that <laughs> i loved all that i particularly loved it when he's doing it in in the um uh limo and then there's one that really bothers him yes. <laughs> he's, he's celebrating it and then there's one that really bothers him it yeah. just sucks all the air out of the yes, party yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. he's brilliant i have to say jeremy strong is brilliant at that he's got a brilliant yeah. face for for Kendall's crestfallenness. David's documentary, Social Media, Anger and Us, is available on BBC iPlayer now. I'm really looking forward to watching it. Speaking of things that are just truly excellent, I thought Jews Don't Count was like the great book I read this year. Thank you, Sarah. Really i got to go. I really enjoyed it. Go off the back great. of the compliment because I complimented you. It was embarrassing. No, no, no thank I, it wasn't embarrassing. It was real and I loved it. Thank oh, you. It was real. Uh, and um, thank you so much for your time. Thank I really you. Can I just it. say, you know, 
Jeff asked me to do this a couple of days ago and I'm really busy and I just thought, but I will really enjoy that conversation. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> so oh, I'm so pleased that you did. That. It's really kind of you to make the time for us. Thanks, Cheers, David. All right, it's an emotional moment because for the last time this series, we are going to hear your favourite quotes, turns of phrase and lines from this week's episode. All right, ready? Yeah. For the final time. The service here is weird and slow and fucking my dad. Turning on the bigot spigot to full gush. Kurt Cobain of the fucking floaties. Let's go see Hans Christian Ander fuck. Is it all screens and up the ass with you? (laughs) Fucking gold and milk. Scrawny on meth or yoga. This slab of gravlax. My mom's getting remarried to a bowl of porridge and it's all terribly moving. Round up the maverick thinkers into his digital gulag. Rural Tuscany, real business hub, (laughs) fucks her so good that she dies. She's the only one who makes her son's pee-pee go bum-bum. Okay, well, we need a plan to kill this baby. Squeeze your little tommy tits for man milk. I heard you may have been getting some tremors on the assistant loop. Lighten up, glum-glum. You're just his little rat fucker. A hard drive full of dick pics. She's having an existential crisis about her personal branding. Do you want to deal with the devil? What am I going to do with a soul anyway? Water pistols in Bali. Make your own fucking pile, you nosy fucking pedestrians. I thought that was your best line reading yet. And if only, if only could have done some of that for Jesse, that would be you in series four. Is that it was, we decided that, it was better that I not do it than that I do it and embarrass myself. Well, more's the pity. Mom? It is good, isn't it? I think we talked about the episode so thoroughly, I am left with only one question. Go on. To leave you with, which is, is Greg so besotted with his new love interest that he will have the private jet pilot plot a flight path from Tuscany north over Switzerland and Germany before tacking west at Frankfurt towards the French coast at Le Touquet. Is it about a duchy on the left-hand side? Yes! Yeah, he would in fact be passing the duchy on the left-hand side. Ew. That is gross. What a gross way to end. Well, we're not ending. Friday Sprinkles is the end. Yes, Friday Sprinkles is the end. And we will also um, be putting out our live episode, which we recorded in London last weekend with self-esteem, Rebecca Taylor, and she was just fantastic. So listen, it's quite likely by this point, you've had enough of us. You're done. But if you're not, then we still have those two things to come. Sprinkles and live app. And, and we are hungry to know what you thought. Oh of my the God, right. Don't make this the time you don't get in touch. What if we have no email for our final episode? It's also morsels to keep us going yes. through the long, fallow months. The long. Maybe, maybe win- a year. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. So we need your theories, queries, thoughts, observations. One last time, that email address is fuck off. At firecrotchandnormcore.com. Thank you to David Baddiel for being oh, such a brilliant guest. So grateful. And th- thanks again to Jesse Armstrong. I mean, more than words is all you have to do to make it real. Then you wouldn't have to. No, 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 no. That's not the right harmony. That wasn't off key, but it wasn't the harmony. No, 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 no. And as grateful as we are to Jesse, we are even more grateful to you for the support you've shown to this podcast. Are we? I mean, are we a bit more grateful to Jesse? We might. Well, it's difficult. I think that, (laughs) well, here's the thing. Because he gave us the show Succession. It's very chicken egg. Mm. He gave us the show Succession. But we would. What would this have been without an audience? Just us being pathetic alone up here. So then, because if it hadn't had an audience, we could have just done it on the sofa in front of the telly, like we have with every other series of yeah, Succession. Yeah. So I feel that c- the collective you, we're as grateful to you as we are 
to Jesse Armstrong. I think I should sing more than words again. I'm, I'm not so sure about that, but thank you. Thank you for listening. That's we're, what we're trying to we're, say. We're just, we're just this little old mom and pop <laughs> in a little old house in little old North London, coming up to our attic, having a little chat, and look what's happened. Well, people, some, some people listened to you it. You guys listened, and that made meant so much to us. And we hope that you'll stick around for Series 4, whenever that may be. We'll definitely do a Season 4. I'm excited about the future. Are you? No, it's just, oh. just the thing that you say. Like Logan. I missed that. That's humiliating. It's because it's late. What, do you want me to do a big send-off? I feel you've done the spiel. Yes, but... And I, then you look to me like, now you spiel. No, but I think your energy is the best energy for standing on the platform, handkerchief in hand, waving Guys. at the listeners on the train as they depart. Choo-choo! <laughs> Normally we say goodbye to you from our house, but today, apparently, we're on the back of a train. I think we're, we're on the platform. The point is, this is wrong, because we're going to be on the train platform with sprinkles. So, listen... You're feeling pain. You're not alone. We feel the pain with you. Our lives are equally empty. But this is not goodbye. This is a bientôt. See you soon. Avida saying, maybe I show Jesse. Is this, can I do this? I, th- I don't think it's culturally insensitive. Hello. Ah, sono Sara. Arrivederci, baby. Arrivederci, bella. Cucina, cucina, Italian cafe. That close to Mamma Mia, why you no come in at my restaurant? Uh, no Mamma Mia, why okay, you no come okay. to my restaurant? Th- this is culturally insensitive. Oh. Didn't we start off by saying that Italians just like look better than Americans and Brits, so maybe we're okay? Yeah. We can make fun of them as long as we say we'd want to fuck them. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.